Good morning. Welcome to Stonebridge, everyone. Uh, I got a few kind of announcement-y things first. Um, we've got this board kind of by the bathrooms, uh, our missions board, and there's some prayer cards that you can grab. And we would love if you would grab those and commit to praying for them, maybe slap them on your fridge, um, and just pray for them so you can be more aware of what's going on and just be more engaged with what God is doing around the world. Um, the next thing is that we have another board out here as well, right about there in the lobby. Um, it's called the Called to Serve Board. And if you want to get more involved, you want to serve somewhere, you can just take a little, little thing out of the sleeve um, and then fill it out and drop it in the offering box. It doesn't mean you have to serve. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested in hearing more about it. Um, and someone will get in contact with you and, and we'll help you get involved. Um, last thing, D6 beliefs. So... Normally, we have, for third through fifth graders, um, a curriculum called D6 Beliefs and a class called D6 Beliefs. We don't right now, and we also don't have anything for first and second graders, but we have, for first through fifth graders, we have this material available on our website. So this is for parents and kids to do together. We showed a little video last week. They're fun, but yet they teach you about the Bible. Uh, and LifeWay Research found... And this isn't surprising to me, but they found that the most important thing that predicted spiritual health when a child got older, when they became an adult, was if they read their Bible when they were a kid regularly. Again, not rocket science, but easier said than done. D6 Beliefs, what this does is it teaches your kids about the Bible. It's going through the New Testament right, right now, giving you an overview of each book, hopefully whetting their appetite for actually reading the Bible itself. So um, help them do that. If you have a first through fifth grader, it's really easy. You're, you're watching a three to five minute video, and then there's a little worksheet to fill out together. It's not very difficult. Um, or don't even use that. Read your Bible with your kids. Okay, my eight-year-old Joy is reading the Bible. We're reading the Bible together right now. She can understand what's happening. We're reading through the book of John. She can understand, for the most part, what's happening in there um, and, and has been enjoying it, asking me, hey, can we read the Bible tonight? So um, you can do this. Don't let, actually, maybe, maybe in the past, you've let church programs give you a free pass on not really being intentional with your kids about being in the Bible and teaching them about Jesus. So use this as an opportunity. Right now, we hope to have something for first through fifth graders here, but use this as a time where you can really invest in them and have that just continue into the next season when we do have programs going on. All right, I'm going to shift now to Romans. We've been going through Romans. And we're going to see in this passage today, we're in Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21, if you want to start going there. But you're going to see right away, it's, it's pretty natural to ask, why? Why me? And it made me think of other why me questions that we have sometimes. Why, why does my car always break down at the worst moment possible? You know what I'm saying? Why can't my sports team win every week like Matt's does? I mean, that's... It's true. <laughs> Why do my kids wake up at 5 a.m. regardless of when they go to bed? Real thing. If you have some suggestions, I used to like fallback because I got an hour. Young kids, not, it does not work so well. 
If you have some suggestions, it's killing me. All right. Um, why can't I just get one moment to myself? Why is there always a train when I'm running behind? Why do I get stuck with this guy as my dad or this gal as my mom? Why do I give and give and give and never get anything back, it seems? Why do I get in trouble for doing the right thing? Why me? Life isn't fair. These are the types of questions we ask ourselves regularly if we're honest. And that's what we're going to see in this passage. We're going to naturally start to ask, why, God? This does not seem fair. So we're going to grapple with this together. Now, Romans 5, 12 to 21 um, is kind of like swimming through a pool of jello. Who's ever swam through a pool of jello? No? I haven't either, but I'd like to someday. Maybe, maybe when COVID ends, we'll have a church jello pool party. I don't know. Um, but it, it's kind of like swimming, run with me for a second. It's kind of like swimming through a pool of jello. It tastes great, but it's difficult to wade through, okay? So hopefully, what I can help you do today with this passage is melt down the jello a little bit so you can wade through it a little easier, but yet it'll still taste great. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, that, that went over like a fart in church. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Um, all right. But let's, let me rein you back in. I'm, my mind is all squirrely right now. Um, let's focus, and I'm talking to myself, let's focus right here, right now, or we're going to get lost in this scripture pretty quick. That's the point. Okay. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, let's come up for air for a second. It's saying here that everybody's a sinner because of one man's sin. Yeah, that's what it says. Verse 12 says that, essentially. When Adam sinned in Genesis 3, sin spread to everyone. Thanks, Adam. We all inherit your sin nature now. Thanks, dude. Psalm 51.5 backs this up, though. It says, in sin did my mother conceive me. So it's even before you're born. From the moment you're conceived, you're guilty of sin. Now, I have a diagram to help you understand this. We got the first Adam here, Adam from Genesis, the first human. He gave us the nature of sin. Like it or not, that's what we get. It's kind of like with my kids. Sorry, kids, your last name is Yoder. Deal with it, right? Sorry, kids. Most of them have blonde hair and blue eyes. Sorry. That's just, sorry, kids. You're going to be short. Heather and I are short. It's a, that I, I can't do anything about that. That's just, that's just how it is. They inherited these things from us. They had no choice. And that's what we inherit from Adam, sin. And if you look at verse 14, um, or sorry, verse 13, it says essentially that sin can't be held against someone that doesn't know God's law or God's standard. Is Paul contradicting himself here? He just said everyone's guilty through Adam's sin, and now he's, he's 
going, no, just kidding. No, he's not. He explains it in verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why did people still die between Adam and Moses then, he's saying. Here's what he's saying, okay? Follow me. He didn't die because, or, sorry, Paul's saying that people didn't die because they broke the laws that they didn't know about. They died because they are, are inherently sinful. He's just driving home this point that sin isn't something outside of us. It's something that's passed down to us. And you might be thinking, just one sin, though, of somebody else produced death? What's death? Death, this, he's talking literally about physical death. Everyone after Adam, Adam on, died physically. But he's also talking about spiritual death. Everyone now is condemned to hell. Thanks, Adam. That's how terrible and atrocious sin is to God. One person's one sin so degrades and dishonors God that it produces death for that person and for everyone else after that. Now let's go back to our diagram. We get from the first Adam a sin nature and we get the consequence of death. Thanks, man. Why? This seems so extreme. Why am I punished for someone else's sin that they committed long before I ever existed? Why are we all punished for just one sin that wasn't even ours? Why me? And these are legit questions. Now, the answer to them is complex, but simple. I think, first and foremost, there's just some mystery here because, well, he's God. Think about it like this. How can we fairly determine what's fair if we just learned that it's in our nature to be unfair? Do you see what I'm saying? How can we say this is fair and that's not if we have a sinful nature that screws up even how we think so we can't even determine what's fair? See, God determines what's fair because he is good and just and right. But there's some more satisfying answers than that. We would have done the same as Adam and God knew it. He's like, if you would have been in that garden and you could eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and essentially be like God or more like God when you eat this fruit, all of us wouldn't have lasted. We would have eaten the fruit. Here's how I know that. Whenever there's a bag of Reese's in my office, it does not last more than two days. It just doesn't. I can't stand that temptation, all right? And I'm sure you have your own thing. Maybe it's Oreos, whatever. You just, you, you can't. Stay in that temptation for very long, okay, before you just give in. We would have done the same, and God knew it. Now, I think another satisfying reason is that we've proven that it's fair, okay? It's not like all of us can go around and go, yeah, I have this sin nature, and Adam did that, and I'm paying the punishment. No, we've all sinned. We have all proven that it is fair of God. And I think the most satisfying answer these why me questions is just to turn the question on its head and go, why him? Why him? Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at verse 15 to 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, 
much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Why him? The question should not be, why me? It should be, why him? Why did Jesus, the second Adam, take all sin on himself. Jesus takes not just all of one man's sin, Adam. He takes all of many people's sin, of whoever would believe in him. Why him? The question's not why me? Why did I get the first Adam's punishment, death? No, the question is why him? Why did Jesus, the second Adam, take our punishment for us? Jesus takes not just one man's punishment, Adam, He takes all of whoever would believe in him, all of their punishment on himself, on the cross. Isaac Watts said this in his hymn, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. You can't contemplate the death of Jesus And his death on the cross before your why me God turns into why him. By the way, this is what always happens when the focus is on us. We we turn into these why me people, unending blame, skepticism, victim mentality. But when the cross is in focus for us, our focus goes from us squarely onto him. And when we answer the why me question with why him, it produces a different question. Why me? Look at verses 18 to 21. Therefore, as one trespass or sin led to condemnation for all, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our why me God turns into Why me? Why do I get Jesus' record? If you think it's unfair for everyone to receive one man's sinful record, you should also think it's unfair for everyone to receive one man's perfect record. Look at our diagram. The first Adam gave us a sin nature. The second Adam made us righteous, gave us right standing, flawless, forgiven, even though we don't deserve it. Look back at the text. What's up with verse 20, though? Now the law came in to increase the trespass. The law was introduced to increase sin. What is that? 
Let me give you an illustration. Imagine you're sick with the flu. Not COVID. Do you know you can get the flu? Anyway, um, you have the flu and someone comes in and says, all right, you've got the flu, you, you have a fever, um, you, 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 you're coughing, you're sneezing, you got the chills, it's terrible, you're bedridden, you're, you got the aches and pains, you know, you know the flu. Um, someone comes in and goes, hey, you know what, you, you can't cough anymore. New rules around here, no coughing, no having fevers, no chills, no aches and pains. Can't do it. And they just keep going on and on with these things that are your symptoms. And finally, after a while, you go, I get it. I'm sick. I cannot do that. That's what happens with the law. The law comes in. This, is, this was the purpose of the law. Here's God's standard. And finally, after we hear it long enough, we go, I get it. I am a sinner. I cannot measure up to that. It was to point to the second Adam, Jesus, that we absolutely needed a Savior. That's what verse 20 is about. We deserve a guilty, broken, jacked up, sin-filled record, yet we receive Jesus' perfect record. Who am I? Why me? Why do I get Jesus' record? Also, why do I get Jesus' life? If you think it's unfair for everyone to receive one man's punishment, death, then you should also think it's unfair for someone to receive one man's life, eternal life. The question needs to be shifted from why me, God, to why me? It says in verse 21, we get eternal life. This is perfection with Jesus forever. Why would we get such an undescribable, perfect gift? But here's the thing about eternal life. It doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you believe. We just think of the ongoing part. It starts the moment you believe. Life, the way it's meant to be lived here on earth, this is his gift to us. Under God's loving authority, which is for our best, we get peace that transcends all understanding. We get joy even in the middle of our suffering. That's what we saw last week. We get, we get to enjoy his good gifts here on earth that he's given to us. And we get ultimate purpose and meaning. Everyone's looking for meaning. Everyone's looking for purpose. We get that from God. We're now on mission to love him, to love other people, to make disciples who make disciples, to, to help people know and obey Jesus. Why would we get such an incredible quality of life? And I don't mean like people talk these days about having a great quality of life materially. I'm talking about inside, spiritually, the life everlasting we receive from Jesus. Why? Why me? Look at our diagram. The first Adam gave us death. The second Adam gives us life. All right. Who's seen Star Wars? Okay. All right. Most of you are with me. Um, well, just for fun, who's like a Star Wars nerd? Oh, a fair amount. Wow. Who's just seen it and they could tell you a couple characters and 
All right, we got a good mix. Okay, um, I think most of you should be able to follow this. So I just stole this straight up from Pastor J.D. Greer. Thank you. Um, but he talked about it like this. It's a tale of two Skywalkers, okay? Star Wars is a tale of two Skywalkers. The first Skywalker, Anakin, gave in to the temptation to embrace the dark side. And because he did, yeah, and because he did, he brought death, destruction, and chaos to the entire galaxy. But the second Skywalker, who was Luke, faced the same temptation, but was faithful and obedient to the Jedi way. Faithful he was. <laughs> and he was able to reverse the curse that came from the disobedience of the first Skywalker, Anakin. And he was able to even redeem the first Skywalker. Remember? At the end, uh, spoiler alert, by the way, it, was, it came out 50 years ago or something. I mean, if you haven't seen it by now. But yeah, um, Anakin or Darth Vader, who was Luke's dad. I'm giving it all away right here. Um, Luke redeems him. He wins him back over to the Jedi way, to the good side, from the dark side. He was able to redeem him. And George Lucas, the writer of Star Wars, said that the central theme of episodes four through six, which were the first three movies made, I know that's confusing, but the central theme is the redemption of Anakin, the first Skywalker, by Luke the second. Similarly, you could say that the entire storyline of the Bible is about the redemption of the first Adam by the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Here's the point. Sorry if I lost you on Star Wars. Here's the point. Like it or not, we all inherit the first Adam's sin. But similarly, the second Adam offers a new inheritance that is ours if we would just believe. So our question needs to be, why me? So I have one final question for you. Who's your daddy? But in all seriousness, <laughs> is it the first Adam or is it the second Adam? This passage talks a lot about a free gift, right? It says free gift several times. But like all gifts, gifts must be received. So Romans 10, 9 and 10, it's on your screen. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you have not believed in Jesus, your dad is still the first Adam. You still have this sin nature and death waiting for you. But if you receive that gift, which you can do right now by just saying, I trust you, I believe in you, I'm following you, I repent of my sin. then we get the gift of the second Adam, Jesus. We get forgiveness. We get life from him. Now, here's the thing about a gift. This was a gift to our daughter Joy when she was born eight or so years ago. This is her owl blanket, or as she said when she was younger, her owl gampet. It's all ratty and falling apart now, but she brings it everywhere with her still. The thing about a gift is you have to receive it. But she didn't just receive it. Great gifts, you don't just take from them and then set it aside. You cherish it. 
and you're thankful for it. And you enjoy that gift. And that's what we need to do with salvation. We need to enjoy the fact that he's given us himself. He's given us life. The secret from going from why me God to why me God is actually found in thankfulness. The secret from going from a victim mentality, mentality to a victor's mentality, from, from going from a, a blaming skeptic's mentality to a childlike awe and wonder is thankfulness. And that's timely because it's November. But we need to be thankful. We need to be filling our prayers with thankfulness for the work of Jesus. Now, I would bet that most of us live too much of our life in a hurry. I'm convinced of this. Hurry is the enemy of intimacy, particularly with Jesus. Hurry is the enemy of intimacy. And I'm also convinced of this. More can be accomplished in our being than in our doing. We need to be still and know that he is God. You see, Jesus, who was the perfect man, got away regularly to be with Jesus. And he was never in a hurry. So I actually want to give us some time this morning. I, don't, I want to linger here a little bit. I don't want to just move on with life. I want to give you some time to just bask in, in thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us. This was tested for me this week. This week, my schedule shifted rapidly on Wednesday. I was not going to be preaching on Sunday. Someone else was. And through different, because of different reasons, we had to switch weeks. So here I am preaching this morning. My, my life looked very different. And I had already put on my schedule on Thursday afternoon for a couple hours to go and just be with Jesus. Pray, read my Bible, journal a bit, and just be. I also challenged Josh to do that this week. So I really felt like I had to do it. But I knew it was the most important thing. So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get all of this done, God. I can't go do that. But I'm like, no. I, the Holy Spirit was just grabbing my heart going, no, no, no. You, you need to do this. You need me. I'll help you. I'll give you what you need for that message. So I did it, and I did not regret it. Here's the point. Let's not be in a hurry and just get away from this scripture, away from this service, and get on with life. Let's linger a little bit and thank God for the second Adam. Let's not just talk about it. I want to give you space to do that this morning. So I'm going to share a song with you. We're going to play it. Um, it's going to be on the screen with some lyrics and some scripture. Um, I really believe that wonder of who God is and what he's done for us is strengthened mightily through music. So I want to, I want to give you that opportunity. And, and here's my challenge. Do not give in to the temptation to check out mentally and start thinking about what's going on next during this song. Do not get out your phone and start scrolling during this song. Can we not for four minutes linger in the fact that the God of the universe would love us so much that he gave his only son for us? 
Can we not linger for four and a half minutes and do that? Let's enjoy his presence. Let's play that song. Thank you for your blood that was shed. You took the weight of sin upon your shoulders and sacrificed your life so I could live. Now I get to love you in 
can always find reasons to say, why me, God? But there's always one reason that produces thousands of reasons to say, why me, God? And it's the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you, God, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. God, help, that, help us not to get sick of that message. Help us to cherish it. Help us to enjoy the fact that we don't get what we deserve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we don't inherit any longer, if we've believed in you, we don't inherit the first Adam's sin and death, but instead we get the second Adam's life and forgiveness and right standing with you. Forgive us for the times where we take that for granted. Let it motivate us to live sacrificial, spirit-filled lives for you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.